Hey everyone, it's Tom Kratz and I want to be really clear. This episode of the Your Life, Your Term show is not an advertisement to forego, avoid, not go to college or university. However, that's exactly what Koken, and I mess up his last name all the time, Unosawa, Unosawa, Koken Unosawa um, decided to do. And apparently he blames me for that decision, but it all worked out really well. He, uh, he, together with his brother, they have seven properties now. You'll hear his story. You'll also hear how the now 23-year-old, he was 18 when he started getting into real estate investing, when he's now 23, you'll hear kind of just his analysis on why he decided not to go to university. So I think it's really interesting. I think for some people, it's a good choice to not go to university under certain criteria, which we discuss on this episode. So if you want to hear from an 18 year old, he stumbled upon us. I guess he would have been 18. His brother at that time probably was about 22. Um, he became a rock star inner circle member together with his brother. They then went and got their, re he got his real estate license license. He now works here as part of the team at Rockstar and as a 23 year old is helping other people purchase investment properties. And when you hear how analytically he is and how much experience he has at this point, you can see why he's a really great asset to the team. So um, good chat. Koken's a great guy. We'll keep tabs on him. And if you're listening to this and are thinking about university or buying an income property. We did some analysis on that, not to dismiss university by any means. I, I myself went to university and don't regret it. Um, but if you wanna see some analysis on the money that you would spend to send somebody to university versus the money you could take and buy an income property and just see how that plays out in life, we put a report together extrapolating those two things forward. So for example, the value of an income property over the next 10 and 20 years, and then the value of an education and then getting a job, um, and and how that income increases over the next 10 and 20 years. And we compared the two. And again, I want to be really clear. We are not dismissing education. Education is very important. We just wanted to have fun with some of this analysis. So we decided to do it. But we are not against education. We are big believers in education ourselves. And let me put it to you this way. Nick and I have both spent more in our own education, multiple times more than we did after we graduated university and college. Um, so that's just a testament to how much we believe in educating yourself. We're constantly going to seminars, conferences, events, buying courses, newsletters, books, audio programs. So we are huge believers in education. I want to make sure that is very clear. But that report comparing the two, you can find at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, Koken, we are live. So let's just get it out of the way right now. Koken, that first name. Yes. What is the ethnic background that produces the name of the of Koken? Koken is uh, Japanese, actually. Okay, got it. Ja oh, Nick is Nick's joining us. Uh, Japanese. Yeah. And your uh, your last name? Uh, Unosawa. Unosawa. Is also Japanese. Okay. Um, unfortunately, due to various circumstances, it's my mom's last name. I was born as Koken Tile Rajan. And then to get a Japanese passport, I had to change it to Unosawa as I got it to enter the country. 
if we reach out to the government of Japan right now and let them know the trick that you played on them, <laughs> is, that, is that okay? It is. It is because they kind of screwed me because they told my parents that my parents should have notified them when I was like three months old to change it to Telerajan, but because we were living in Sri Lanka, they didn't do that and they would have had to fly to Japan to change my name. They didn't bother. I think that. Crime Stopper still <laughs> pays out like 50 bucks, man. Nick, we got, we got 50 bucks in the making here, man. Um, oh what's with the, did you guys talk about the big bottle of Don Julio on your Don Julio 1942 on your desk? No. <laughs> Coken, do you drink tequila? I do not. Okay, I don't. I I started getting into tequila a little while ago, and uh, no, Nick, we didn't talk about it. But uh, these guys just got back. Some guys here in the office just got back, and they brought us this bottle. Nick and I like this bottle of Don Julio, nineteen forty-two, and you can't buy it in Canada. Yeah, but now we found out there's even like a higher level of this Don Julio tequila that that they found. We haven't tried yet, so we have to steal that bottle from them and. And do some shots and then decide if and we I, like it more. And I should clarify, you used to be able to find it in Canada. Like two or th- there was like four to six bottles in the Toronto area. Yeah, I'm going to check the LCBO right now. But it, it's gotten harder and harder. So I think they delisted it off their site. Last I, I checked, it was actually de- it, it wasn't like even yeah. coming up as stock zero. It was delisted. So it was a big problem in our world. And if anyone listening, <laughs> no, uh, important stuff. if anyone listening to this hasn't tried Don Julio 1942, if you get the chance, it's got to be cold. But if you're listening to this and you think you hate tequila, trust me. Once you have this stuff, cold, put it in the freezer and then have... I should have it cold for you. We could have some right now. Are they sponsoring this podcast? No, they're totally not. <laughs> they should be sponsoring the freaking podcast. But listen, back to you. I want to get back to the thing that you told me that you didn't want to put on the podcast right before we recorded, that you sing. Yes. So you sing at your church? Oh, that's yes. Good. You know why I think this is such a great thing? Because I found that when I, whenever we travel and different cultures, I find... Men and women sing a lot. In Canada, I find that that's kind of a lost thing. I think it's because the cultures are so kind of chopped up because we're a country full of immigrants. But when you go to other countries around the world, it's really part of the culture. Yeah. And I find it's a big stress relief. It brings the family together. Uh, release. It brings the family together. Like it's a huge thing that we've just lost here in Canada. Like you yeah. don't go around to people's houses and see a group of men generally <laughs> singing together. You know. Yeah. Um, or women. But uh, I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's something we need to get back into, Nick. So Nick, you can start the singing <laughs> part of Rockstar. So listen, you decided not to go to university. Yes. And you, you instead you're buying you're heavily into real estate and yes. buying income properties. I want to understand the analysis. How old are you right now? Uh, Twenty three years old. Hold on, let me interject for a second, because for anyone listening to this, it was Tom's fault. Yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> that because because he he reached out to Tom and said. Uh, you know, I think one is like, should I go? And you're like, whoa, what do I say to this? You know? <laughs> really? It was something I said to you that did it was. You, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, it wasn't only what you said, but what you said helped me a lot in making that decision without feeling I was like making the wrong decision. Because my parents, um, Japanese and Sri Lankan, both cultures, you know, like education a lot. And they were really, really pushing me to go to university. Um, I got accepted to university. I had the acceptance letter. I was planning on going to university. And then I guess now we're getting right into the, <laughs> the story of it. But uh, I went, so I got accepted to UTM uh, in Mississauga. So went to campus, did one of their uh, campus walkthroughs, and they showed the residence. And I found that it was really expensive. It was like 1000 bucks a month for like um, just a room, right? At that time, this was 2013. 
Uh, now it's more. <laughs> what was it? One of those townhomes that you got a room in the townhome kind of thing? Uh, there was that, and there was like an apartment building where there's like two bedrooms to share a bathroom. Got it. Okay. Um, and then there's like a communal kitchen, right? Okay, more traditional dormitory. Okay. Yeah. But either way, when I went through it, I thought it was very expensive. Um, my context was my parents, like when we moved to Canada, we rented a two-bedroom apartment. What year did you move to Canada? Uh, 2008. Okay. Right in the financial crisis. Perfect. I, I had no idea what it was, but... Looking back, we were thinking, why was it so hard for like our parents to find jobs? And then now, okay, things make sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, so when we moved to Canada, we rented a two-bedroom apartment where all five of us were living in for about like a thousand or a thousand and fifty. And then just a couple of years later, they're telling me you can rent a bedroom for the same amount. It it seemed really expensive. So I had this crazy idea: I'm gonna buy a house near the campus, live in one room, rent out the rest of my friends. In Mississauga, which now looking at it, it's so expensive, right? So if you had context, you would not bother with it. But I just had that idea. I Googled it, and I found your website. <laughs> Got it. And, you, you know, the, to your advantage, you had no context. So mm. you didn't know what was possible and what wasn't possible. Yeah. So then you went out and bought. A, you did a student rental like we've never seen before. Yeah. So, you, yeah, can you explain? Uh, yeah. So we bought a stacked townhouse that's a condo. Uh, built in like the 70s so it's an older building but it's right on dundas close like on a direct bus route to the campus it was built like the first one we bought had five bedrooms and it's on two levels close to like 1800 square feet each bedroom we rented at that time for like 550 a room Um, and even though at that time it had a condo fee of like 700 bucks a month when we ran the numbers at the end of it we'd still be positive like 900 dollars a month so we figured even though it's a condo um because the income supported it, we'd go for it. But that wasn't our first investment. When you right? say we, this is you and your brother? Me and my brother. Yeah, okay. we buy uh, all our deals together. Uh, but that wasn't the first deal, right? Uh, so when we, we came, we joined Rockstar. We were assigned um, Leslie as our coach. So she was really instrumental in helping us getting started and walking us through the, the all the nervousness of the beginning of getting started. Um, so we did like the regular single family homes. We did two of those first before deciding, okay, let's try to get a bit more cash flow and then like venture into You're this. You're so over- analytical. Did you overanalyze everything when you started? I think I remember you did, right? Um, Now I do, or a little bit more. But in the beginning, just like our frame of reference was zero. We had never owned a property. Our parents had never owned a property. So we just trusted you guys and trusted Leslie and we're like, We'll take her word for it. And that's basically what we did to take action. So how old were you when you bought the first one? I don't even know. Uh, so I was, I had just turned 18 the month before we Jeez. bought our first one. And how one. old was your brother? He was, uh, he's six years older. So oh, he was uh, about 24, 24, turning 24. Yeah. And did your parents think you were insane? Um, no, because they never owned a property. So they didn't know whether it was hard or not, but they knew they wanted to. Like, again, like being Sri Lankan, like my dad's Sri Lankan. So in that culture, you have to own real estate. If you don't own real estate and you're an adult, like there's something a little bit off, especially if you worked for a couple of years. So for him, it was a big thing to own real estate. But then sort of the reality of our situation, for the most part, for the first couple of years, we were not stable financially. And when we were, we looked around in Toronto, things were so expensive, right? Hmm. So when we came to your class and then we were like, okay, let's go up to like Barrie or Hamilton and look at properties under 300,000. And I know we can live there right now, but let's just rent it out. Then it 
it kind of clicked with them. They were they were open to it. So you were buying these properties as rental properties when you began at 18, but you were living with your parents yeah. and you were renting as a family. So our family rented uh, for the first, what was it, like four or five years. Then my dad became the pastor of our church in Toronto. And our church in Toronto had like a little parsonage. So it's essentially like a small apartment where our family lived in uh, for free, but we had to like vacuum the floors of the church. Sure, yeah, cool. But that really helped my parents in saving up the money that we then used as the down payment. So that Uh, sort of gave us a little bit of a head start. Okay, and I want to get back to the university decision because you are very analytical. Like one of the lawyers that we deal with met with you to close on one of your properties. He walked out of the room. He's like, I think there's a prodigy in the room over there. He goes, this guy Koken is just doing so much analysis in front of me that I can't even keep (laughs) up with the guy. So how did you break it down in your mind? Like why didn't you go to university? Uh, so I, the first I took a gap year, right? Instead of just quitting altogether, I just said, okay, let me take one year. Let me save up some money and then decide. Um, but when I decided, I figured that I would have to pay like 40 grand, right? That's assuming I don't have any other expenses, but just 40 grand for the university over four years. At that point, I think I had just gotten the job at RBC. Um, that was my previous job. And I was making close to 40 grand a year. So I figured, okay, I'm going to have to give up close to 160 grand in income, get myself 40 grand in debt. So say a 200 grand spread, plus by not being able to work, I can't buy any more properties over the next couple of years. And then I I lose out on all that. I have to finish it. And then once I get my degree, because I was planning on getting a business administration degree, at my job at RBC were other people who were just out of university doing who had just graduated the program I wanted to go in and they were getting the same job that I had just gotten so I was I was really thinking did like, RBC not require you to have a university education uh they you're smiling how did you scam the <laughs> system? Just, just explain how you scammed the system so we all know I had to apply at the same job um I think four or five different times and get rejected multiple times at different steps along their hiring process my brother was a big help because he was working at the same job already in RBC. Did he have some, he's older than you, did he have some kind of post-secondary education? He did not. He okay. does not either. But okay. he got there through multiple just work experiences and then switching to RBC. Okay, because you were selling insurance at RBC? That's what you're doing, right? We were selling travel insurance. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Now, he put in a good word with his manager um, who then tried to get me at least to the door. But even that, the first time... It failed. Second time it failed. Third time it failed. Fourth okay, time. Okay, and you failed. eventually busted your way in. Yeah, eventually they gave me the chance to meet with not the manager, but sort of the director of sure, that department. Sure. Okay, and, and you then, got your way in. Sorry, I'm cutting you off because I want to yeah. go back to the university thing. Sure. But didn't you just figure there's going to be some intellectual capacity that you would somehow gain change? You would there's going to be some other aspect of university aside from the financial that you were giving up by not going. Um. See, I, I really didn't like high school because when I was there, I felt I was wasting my time and I was being made to study things I didn't want to study and also at a pace that I didn't want to study. Uh, like the way I study maybe is different for most people. So I like to cram in a lot when I'm excited about something, but then maybe sometimes I don't like to study for years on end. So I just learn what I need to know and then move on to the next for thing. For years? You're not going to learn anything for years? 
Well, I know what you know. I know what you're <laughs> basically bored like the rest of us, and you just decided not to go to university. Yeah, no, I, I just okay. And then now, so it's been a couple of years now since the decision. So yeah. why do you think you've made the right decision so far? Like it's pretty early. You're 23. Yeah. But how are you feeling right now? No, absolutely. I feel I made the right decision. Why? Um. I'm at a far better place in my life than I could imagine um, had I gone to university. Like I feel I'm moving closer and closer to my goals. I'm making more money than I could have Im- imagined um, when I was 18, going to university. And also, I I feel like I'm just making progress towards what I want to achieve. Um, and I'm not sort of stuck in a cycle that feel like I'm not working a corporate job that I feel I'm stuck like a nine to five. I, I was doing that and then I was even able to get out of that. So I just feel like, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but I just, I feel happy about my life and I feel that it would have taken me a lot longer to get here if I had. So you don't have a regret. And, and just to complete the story, because you got your real estate license then, yeah. then you knocked on our doors and said, hey, Tom, <laughs> Nick, I got my real estate license now. I want to get out of this corporate job. I heard you guys quit your corporate job. You're basically taking everything <laughs> that took everyone like 20 years to learn and you're just doing it at the age of 23. The reason I'm asking you if you feel like you've made the right decision, I think, I can't remember how I responded. Did I respond to you via email maybe about university if we spoke in person? I think we spoke in person. It may have been at one of the classes or... Yeah, I think you brought it up at one of the VIP classes and I think a number of people chimed in actually, if I remember correctly. Oh, good. So we can spread the blame around. (laughs) It's perfect. So we can spread it around to all of Rockstar. But I think the reason that I would have say I would tell someone to skip university only if they were going to replace it with some entrepreneurial type adventure. Like I believe if you're going to skip university and go into a corporate job and kind of feel locked in that corporate job over those years, I'm not sure if you're going to get that further ahead. Like I think you might cap out at a certain point, but if you're going to spend those years and doing some entrepreneurial type thing, whether it's buying real estate properties, flipping real estate properties and learning, cause you're going to make a lot of failures. You're going to make tons of mistakes. Yeah then you're going to move yourself uh, ahead faster. And then if you're going to go and get your real estate license like you have and join in a company that allows you to do whatever you want. And I'm not talking about Rockstar. I just mean you're an independent contractor. You're kind of entrepreneurial in that you control your own destiny. I think you're going to get ahead in life a lot faster because you're forced to do things. You kind of have to... You're going to eat what you kill, yeah. right? Like you have to go make a sale with your real estate license yeah. in some capacity yeah. to make some money to kind of live. Because you're now recently married as well. Yes. <laughs> right? Like you have some already some obligations in your life yeah. and you're out there kind of doing stuff. If you're going to not go to university and just kind of go into some corporate role and kind of live there forever, I'm not so sure that's the best move. Like I, I don't know if I could convince myself of that. We, You know, we just got... Um, I mean, for the last couple, we've hired a couple of people in the last f- few months, and then we're we're hiring someone else now, and um, so we've we've got for each one we we get hundreds of resumes. We literally get like yeah. you know, we you know over usually over just over two hundred yeah, yeah, in yeah. about a week and a half. <laughs> and the only thing I would say to that is I, I agree and I disagree to multiple things, but the, the the challenge I see with the universities from looking at all these resumes recently over the last few months is people go to university and they take the most random programs and i think that's probably and that's just because universities have wanted to make more and more money so they've kind of in some ways they've they've tried to cater to more people with more programs and they've also tried in in another way they've they've kind of 
watered down yeah. what they're offering. Yeah, I'll, the I was trying to look become, for a nice way to say dumbed down. So yeah, yeah, yeah watered, down. watered it down. Students are now their customers, not their students. Totally. Right? So, like, I've seen like these these majors of these university degrees and just the most random thing. And I guess if people want to get into that specific thing exactly, it makes yeah. sense. But I, there was one in like modern artistic dance or something like a degree in this and i'm like yeah. i don't know what this person wants to do but if like for the role that they were applying for i'm like that degree means is like <laughs> you know, the only thing that it does give them which you can get elsewhere as well yeah. and 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 there's a gap and this is the one thing that i really feel that post-secondary education gives people is communication skills written and verbal communication skills i've noticed that you know in our hiring experience not i mean look this is rule of thumb it's not everyone but there's a gap between people that go to post-secondary and people that don't and it's not something that can't be learned and, sure. and filled in another in another way but uh, on average that's been good and those communication skills go a long long way in this world so that 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 definitely helps but yeah it's, it's a problem I, to me it's a problem like some of the you got to kind of th- if you're going to university to me you have to go with the end in mind like what is it you're trying to do and if this is the means to the end yeah. then it makes sense but if yeah. you're going to university just for the sake of it because yeah. I don't know after high school I like, go to university well I don't know you might want to like yourself yeah. you might want to give it a second you know a second thought right yeah that that was exactly it like I didn't see what was the at the end of university what was that like amazing opportunity that was going to be different mm-hmm. that I couldn't just try to start and pursue right now like yeah if you wanted to be an engineer well yeah you go, that would be go different to, yeah that would be we're different. not looking at having you build any bridges without <laughs> your engineering degree right? yeah no and in defense of it i guess you do learn how to research you do have to kind of um, submit things by a deadline and complete yeah. different projects so you yeah. are going to pick up some of that kind of stuff yeah. along with the the communication yeah. and you know maybe you're going to pick up some the ability to debate or argue different points in different ways sure. that all that stuff does come and you're sure. it's, you're going to learn that elsewhere but yeah. university does that kind of it forces that it out of you, you. but yeah. if yeah. you're disciplined enough so if you're a disciplined person and uh, to me if you're disciplined enough those types of soft skills that it gives you you can easily fill that that void from college or university to me is any post-secondary yeah you can fill that without having to go there but if you're not then yeah you get those skills from that which which can be helpful so yeah, to me it's really program specific, right? But if yeah. I mean, look, like Tom, if someone walked into this office, no university degree, but could could communicate writtenly and verbally writtenly. Writtenly, yeah. yeah. Shows yeah. Good. <laughs> You're good. I mean, yeah, so writtenly. There, there you go. Take yeah. that. Take Can you that can communicate with me writtenly, please? <laughs> post secondary, that. I don't want to speak uh, to you. Please, writtenly me something. So with, all right. So, anyways, writing or verbal, right? They can communicate both ways well. Um, and they're hungry and you're like, you know, they're just, just yeah, passionate they some about drive. something. I mean, like, yeah, take, you know, the post-secondary side of it, you would take it. Well, like, let's give this person a person a chance, right? Yeah. But it yeah. can be harder to break through the clutter. But I, I guess, I don't know, we, our practices about hiring might be different than other people's. Yeah. One of the biggest things, Koken, that I think we can share with you is also that something that's benefited Nick and I over the years is having a sense of urgency with the way we get things done. So, and, and some of that you do get from university or college because you do have those deadlines. Yeah. So you hit up against the deadline where you're like, shit, I actually <laughs> have to do this. And you kind of go into a bit of a panic mode and you get stuff yeah. done with you having not gone through that process. It's something I think is a competitive advantage to us is that we operate our whole lives with a sense mm. of urgency. Yeah, you know, when yeah. there's something needs to get done, it has to get done. Yeah. It's not like it has to get done next week. 
it's got to get done today, like yeah. right now. Don't give me the five reasons why it can't get done right now. Yeah. We're doing this right now. Yeah, so it's yeah. something for you to kind of keep in mind yeah. is that a sense of urgency around response, communication with people, around your own goals and putting deadlines around yeah. them and what you want to achieve yeah. is really, really important. So, I, you know, if there's anything I can share with you is just that has been very valuable to us. And I, I think Nick, both Nick and I find that people who don't have a sense of urgency don't seem to get too far in accomplishing much of their goals. They're yeah. always delaying things. Yeah. Where are you guys at with your properties now? You have a few student rentals. Have you settled in as student rentals as the thing for you? No, no. We're, we're a little bit uh, divided on what is the next way to grow. But uh, so we have seven, seven properties right now. Um, Quite a few of them are joint ventures, but uh, three of them are student rentals, uh, two single-family homes, a duplex conversion that should be complete today because it was finally inspected on Friday, and the last thing should have been crossed off, but I need to follow up with them on that, um, and a fourplex um, as well. That was our most recent purchase. So that's where we're at moving forward. Um, we're, we're debating. Uh, student rentals is one way we want to definitely we've had a lot of success in the other one we want to explore is airbnb to buy a property that would make sense as an investment property with the regular rents but then furnish it and try to create more cash flow uh through through an airbnb so yeah so first off congrats on seven properties at the age of 23 i know you're doing some of these with joint ventures and with yeah. your brother and stuff but that's that's a pretty big deal and airbnb so what are you thinking initially like a condo a house and and where are you thinking so our so we have our duplex conversion. What we've done is we've furnished both suites. Where's that? What city? It's in St. Catharines. Okay. Uh, so we why St. Catharines? Um, I mean, I know why, but I just want to hear why you chose St. Catharines. So we kind of backed into this. It wasn't the plan going <laughs> into the property. We spent way more money and time than we wanted to on this property, uh, carrying costs, renovation costs. So we decided, hey, is there another way we can make a little bit more money to sort of offset that extra cost? But the the reason why we felt it was a good idea is it's a 15-minute drive away from Niagara Falls. And Niagara Falls gets like something crazy. It's like the population of Ontario comes through it every year in tourists, right? So like they get a massive influx. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like I think the population of Niagara Falls triples in the busy season. Like that's how many more people are in the falls. And that spreads to the surrounding communities. Uh, I've talked to a few people who are doing Airbnbs in St. Catharines, and they say that they're fully booked throughout the summer. It's basically like 90 plus percent occupancy. Um, because people are booking Airbnb in St. Catharines to go visit Niagara well, Falls. Yeah, wine country's yeah. around there too, right? Yeah, depending no, I can see wine country. The wine, but I guess I dismiss region. Niagara Falls so much. I'm like, yeah. oh, there it is, man. Let's get out of here. <laughs> but wine country, okay. Yeah, but yeah. that's just yeah. the falls. No, I agree. Right? If yeah, you've been the to the whole falls area. five times, you've seen it all. Yeah. But and then after that. Yeah, yeah, if that many people are going through too. Like Niagara on the Lake would be actually the most ideal place to have an Airbnb. They get year-round visitors for the wineries. The challenge is it's so expensive, right? Like that pocket is to, and I forget the I forget the bylaws around short-term rentals in the Niagara region. I'm pretty sure they don't really allow it. And I, so, I don't know how it's really policed. Yeah. But I'm not sure it's kind of like this thing that they want to encourage in all of Niagara. So currently, Niagara, the city of Niagara Falls has a ban on um, short-term rentals. Short rentals or Airbnbs, um, but people still sure, do them of like course. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think Niagara-on-the-Lake has some sort of licensing system 
um, because there are a lot of like just regular bed and breakfast there before. So I think you can get a bed and breakfast license, but the price, like I, I've looked into just the, I didn't get that far because whenever I looked yeah, at Yeah, we're going to pull this up and share it on one of the podcasts for sure. Yeah. This is good information. But well, the thing is, it, yeah, by the time we share it, it's going to be Yeah, changed. it'll change, it but we can give some idea. Right now. Yeah. But, but okay, so St. Catharines, so for all these reasons. So St. Catharines, the nice thing is they don't outright, like they don't proclaim that it's banned. I have heard that a few people who have Airbnbs are getting demand letters from the city saying that season desist, right? But it's not like wildly publicized that is not allowed so we're sort of gonna try to fly under the radar and okay not that's good well you're not sharing it on a podcast is probably <laughs> step number one to fly under the radar but okay got it and and how much do you ballpark how much do you think you could monthly rent this duplex you must um, have run the numbers knowing yep. you you've thought about 20, the number. 24 24 plus uh maybe hydro we have separate meters okay so for the whole duplex the top would be how much so it's a two-bedroom, second-level suite. Okay. It's a tiny suite that we think can rent for like eleven hundred plus uh, hydro, um, and then the main floor and basement is a two plus. It's a two-bedroom, but there's like a massive basement that's sort of the living space, but that maybe thirteen is. Okay, so you're thinking. thinking twenty-four as a regular duplex kind yeah. of rental, yeah. but as an Airbnb, what do you think you can get for it? a month? So we have one booking right now for the month of February and March, which is like the, we're pretty much in the dead of winter for Airbnb. And we have it booked at 2300 a month for that one unit for February and March. Who the heck is staying there? <laughs> Funny story. It was actually not through Airbnb. I just copied our information on Airbnb, put it on Kijiji in the vacation rental section. This lady reaches out to me. Her husband and his her husband's business partner bought a property in Thorold that both of them are going to flip in the next two months. So they're going to work there 24-7. They just need a place to sleep because the home, they're ripping it to the studs. So they're renting our place for two months while they work on that place in Thorold. And they're from like Bradford. So it's like three-hour drive each way. The short-term rental Airbnb thing just constantly amazes me. Yeah. It constantly... So yeah, assuming you don't get shut down or whatever, yeah. you think then in the summer, you're going to generate... If that's 23 on that, so you're going to do what? Like... Hopefully double double of. Yeah, what I was gonna we say make. like four thousand yeah. a month. Yeah, hopefully double of what we could get as a regular. So one. up to like forty six hundred. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. We're that'll be you, more, that'll actually. be utilities <laughs> in. Well, that'll be yeah. yeah it was twenty three hundred plus utilities. Yeah. So There's our goal a, is actually to recoup our furniture cost within the first year, and then be cash flowing what it would cost to buy furniture. And, we, and and who's going to manage the, you know, when people leave and clean it all up and that stuff, are you going to get somebody locally and yeah, hire them? We found a good lady who uh, runs a cleaning company. She has a few cleaners uh, and all she does is clean up for Airbnb. So she has like 15 Airbnbs that she and her team cleans up and takes care of. So she'll do like the, the laundry to clean out the sheets. She'll clean it. She'll, I just let her know, okay, going on this day, we have a code uh, doorknob, I guess. So she just has the coach. She goes right in and does the work. Yeah. She's going to top up the shampoos and soaps. You're going to have to make this yeah. like a little hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So she'll she'll take care of everything, basically. Okay. So this is your first experiment in this. And if this yeah. goes well, yeah. you're, this is what you want to continue down. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So we, we still want to How buy. How much did you buy that thing in St. Catharines for? 
<laughs> okay, we bought it at two seventy. Why are you laughing when I ask you that well, question? Well, we thought it was a good deal going into it, but just the amount of money we put in renovations, got I don't it. know how okay. good of a deal were we you got. your own realtor when you bought this yeah. thing? Okay, good. Yeah. So you could just blame yourself. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. That's like when Nick, <laughs> when Nick and I buy stuff, we just blame each other. So that's perfect. Okay, so you ripped yourself off. Yeah, yeah. We went over asking on a on a property in the what what is it the summer after april of 2017 so oh, you, that's you when bought, things you bought slowed at the peak yeah yeah no no that was after the peak when 2017 yeah in the summer, right? the summer oh got oh, it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah sorry so sorry. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. there was one other offer and we were like you know what it, it was listed at like 269 we're like let's go in at 272 and we'll get it and then we got it and we're like shit we overpaid <laughs> but but you know what but it, by what you but know yeah, well, yeah, yeah that, that, that comment always kind of freaks me out because like every property we've ever bought we've always thought we've overpaid yeah and yeah. then 10 years later you always wish you bought two yeah anytime yeah. they accept the price i'm always like oh we probably could have got it for less yeah you know but at the end of the day how much less and what's it matter in 10 years yeah. like, like you especially said, if now. you can make the house carry itself yeah. i mean like what are you going to argue about here yeah you got the property yeah. Right. And you have this population trend coming our way that looks like it's going to drive demand in all of these areas. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is when we bought it, we thought the go train was going to come in in like 2023. It was supposed to come yeah. in later. Yeah. yeah. So now it's come in. So hopefully that also helps. Yeah, Because I don't know if it's CN. I don't know if they're using the same track CN rail does or they actually are laying extra track beside CN rails track. Along that, they've got to be using the same one. I think they're using the same one, yeah. and they're actively and they're just negotiating. Lay, no, I think they're actively laying more, and that's where the frequency is going to increase. But right okay. now, because there's only one train, but w once the new track is done, I thought that's what we were listening to. But I, I, you yeah, know, that's how I kind of because once the, the second track's done, then the frequency is going to go up. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so you're buying, and that's a big deal. I mean, if yeah. CN, if sorry, if Go Train, uh, which I had no idea stands for Government of Ontario. Me neither. I had no idea the Never Go Train. Never heard of that before. Neither did I. Neither did I. Now we know that it stands for Government of Ontario. So Go Train is Government of Ontario. What? Train, which just kind of somewhat scares me a little bit. But uh, I know is that a mind blowing <laughs> fact. But uh, yeah, as that increases out there, so yeah. something we talk uh, uh, Coken a lot about, and I know you've heard us say it, is that like Barry's exploded because of its highway access, but yeah. also because of its passenger rail service. Yeah. Where St. Catharines is the same distance to downtown Toronto, and it's never really had that. Could you imagine yeah. we could get one of those high speed trains that they have in all these? other countries in the world like if you had a high-speed train that could take yeah. you from st catharines to union station and instead of taking what does it take an hour and a half almost an hour 20 minutes or something uh, yes. probably. yeah probably yeah I'm not i don't sure. know yeah, i don't yeah. know how long but but uh, instead it would be like a half hour that'd be crazy L like do yeah. you know what that would do to that area and yeah. immediately like it would it would go insane so quick yeah you know and i didn't realize that one of the reasons we can't and we learned this recently too um is that because the um, the go train runs on the CN rail tracks? Yeah, like it's a freight rail track. It's yeah, it's the a old... freight rail track. Whereas the new, the new train systems that are built in other parts of the world, they're they're passenger rail only. So they're designed okay. just for the passenger train, so they can put these higher speed trains. I, yeah. don't, I mean, I don't know if we would get the ones like the China spent billions of dollars. Well, can on you theirs, imagine but... putting on a super fast train on these tracks? Like the slightest vibration, like if you're going 200 kilometers an yeah. hour, like a little vibration on the track, Nick would probably just bust the, the, oh, the train yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, well, we're I went to I went to Japan just uh, last year, and they have like one of the best like high speed rail systems, right? They have like uh, it's called the Shinkansen, and you could what go is it what is it called the shinkansen 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 yeah okay it's like their high speed high speed rate and they it already goes like 300 plus kilometers an hour and they are currently investing in building the infrastructure to get an upgraded version of the train 
that will come into effect like 10 years from now that will go at like 500 kilometers an hour. Yeah, how, that's what we. It, how we are can, we so backwards still? But I'm sorry, I mean, this, we need a this area got a, got real passenger rail. Like, look, yeah. the GO train is going to make a difference already. But I yeah. mean, if we upped it to to international standards for passenger yeah. rail, um, yeah, man, these areas would they they would change dramatically in a very quick yeah. time frame. Because because I mean, no one cares how far they live from any place around here. Like, if you have to go to Toronto every day yeah. for work, you don't care how far you live. You care how long it like takes you to get there. Yeah. Our whole society has changed in different ways. Like when we buy, when people buy things, the majority of people look at what does it cost me on a monthly basis to own this. Yeah. Right. That's what people are looking at. They're not looking at the price. Like when yeah. you look at your investment properties, you're kind of looking at the price, but you're like, ah, what am I carrying costs because yes. can the rent cover it? Yeah. Right. When we're looking at distances to places, we're like, well, we don't look at how many kilometers it is. Yeah. We look at how long does it take us to get from that place. Yeah. Right. So that's what matters most. And if you can change that number, I mean, yeah. those these different areas outside Toronto just go through explosion. I know we're yeah. in fantasy land talking <laughs> about it, but it's it's just it's it's what we're seeing. No, right? and it, even they're playing. I mean, Nick and I, Coke and Nick and I were like, first of all, I got to mention we we were doing one of our Rockstar VIP events, and a new VIP member puts up his hand, and he was kind of questioning everybody why our trains were so slow in Ontario. Nick, you remember this guy? And we're like, hey, where are you from? He's oh. like, I'm, I'm here from China. From China I recently yeah. came from China. I'm buying a bunch of investment properties. And he was basically laughing at how slow our trains are. Wow. You know, And this is where we learned. It was in that discussion that we did, we figured out that it's the actual track that we have and the fact that we share it with CN Rail Freight and stuff mm -hmm. like that, that we can't have the yeah. faster trains. But uh, why St. we didn't get to the full story of why St. Catharines. Was it purely the, the data that you were looking at for... I heard you guys, so I want to step in. I got to step out because I have another interview to do. So cool. I got okay. to cool. take off. No cool. Give them some tequila. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what was, there, was there other stuff that you were looking at in Niagara or St. Catharines you just stumbled upon? Well, we bought that property just with the focus of renting it out once we were done the, the duplex conversion. Um, but we then switched to the Airbnb strategy. So it wasn't really something that we bought the property for, but rather sort of backed into after the fact. Um, but yeah, moving forward, we if we were to buy another property, we to do this, we'd just buy another property in St. Catharines because I think St. Catharines has all the benefits of being a like a edge of a commuter city where it's like an hour fifteen to drive to Toronto, but it also has that potential for the the tourism for the Airbnb, so we can do the airbnb as long as it lasts so you're gonna get the best of both worlds yeah we are meeting some tenants which is shocking that are working in the g like more mississauga area are driving into the aldershot burlington um go train station yeah. and then taking burlington go the rest of the way yeah. like we're actually seeing people do that yeah. and part of the reason for that we believe is that when you look at toronto the average single family home is going to be a million plus yeah. if you go into mississauga you're looking at like a million bucks yeah then if you head over to oakville it's going to be like a million dollars yeah then if you go to burlington it's like a million dollars you finally <laughs> hit hamilton and then maybe you can get a single family depending on the area for like five hundred thousand. yeah you come down like by half yeah and then if you go to st Catharines, you can get like a single family for like 400 dollars yeah. so just it's an affordability thing yeah and the fact that, that we're getting this much population growth in here, we were looking at some go train stats where the they're forecasting out 10 years from now. Yep. The current go train volume, when you measure it against passenger trains around um, North America, they get about, we're in the middle of like yes. the volume of people that we get riding the go train. Okay. Um, every year, every day, every day, however it was measured. Okay? okay, so when you compare it to like New York and Boston and Chicago and these things, we're like in the middle okay. on just how much uh, capacity, how many, sorry, how many people are going on the GO train every yeah, day. Yeah. In 10 years, they're forecasting we're going to be number one. So we really? will have the most active passenger train service and we'll be number one by double 
what is wow. currently number one today. So unless New York is going through some massive population explosion, which, by the way, New York State is losing population. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. know about New York City proper, but New York State as a state is losing population. Yeah. So unless they're getting through some massive population boom, that's what's happening in this area. So yeah. I just feel like the, the, the fact that you're picking that location out there, yeah. it's probably with the trend of the population growth going to serve you really well. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, I want to I circle back on the university thing. Do you have any friends? I mean, you guys are fairly new to the to the country. You went to high school here, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I went to middle and high school here. What are some of your, have any of your friends commented on your decision yet about university, yes or no? Um, Yeah, I mean, most of my friends just went to university, right? Um, commented. Have any of them explained to you what, like why you're making a mistake? My friends aren't really the pushy kind where they tell me like you're doing the wrong thing i think i'm of the group i'm more of the pushy guy where i tell them you have to buy real estate or you have to like do something you need to save money <laughs> um so i i haven't got a lot of pushback from yeah, them yeah. good for you I'm, i mean i'm surprised i just there's there's a couple things like by going to university unless you're going to like i said unless you're going to uh, exchange that time for doing something valuable where i think you really i think by you get, going into sales mm. it's really going into sales to me because that's essentially what you're doing i mean you're helping investors but yeah. if you break it all down you're 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 selling yeah. right i mean you're offering value by helping people and guiding them to buy their investment property but you're mm -hmm. ultimately selling that's a huge personal development experience yeah yeah. Like you're, I, I don't get the sense that you are naturally walking into sales as an experienced salesperson or that no. it even comes naturally to you. You're pretty quiet and analytical. Yeah. And I don't think you're, you say you're pushy, but I guess I would have to see you in that environment. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning a lot. Like this last year has been like, this last year has been the first full time year where I've been focusing on this and it's, it's been really a growing experience. Like it's, it's had a huge amount of up, ups and downs. My previous job, at RBC was a sales role, but it was more like people call in and then you just guide them towards, okay, buy this product or do this, right? Uh, so I got at least the phone communication version, but it's like really distilled down to make it as easy as possible, right? So like following up with clients and just like going through, you know, what if I thought I was going to help people find investment properties, what I realized my job is, is I'm more of a counselor where they get to tell me every fear and horror story they've ever heard. And I have to just like take it in and then tell them, okay, but you have to buy this property anyways, because it's going to help you and your family. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's not even like the buying investment properties. It's more like I, I just, I feel like I get to know my clients on a level that maybe even their best friends don't because like they just open up about all their fears and to see them under so much stress because this is really stressful. It's very stressful. So <laughs> well, look at you with your contractor situation on that yeah. duplex going late. That's stressful. More money, yeah. more time. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we could probably call it a disaster. You're going to survive yes. it. You're going to survive it and it's yes. going to pay off long term. But right yeah. now in the present moment, disaster. Yeah. It's taken and a year. It's also and, normal. Yeah. It's taken a year and three months from when we bought the property to get it to completion. Mostly contractor problems? Contractor and city, both of them, I would say, have played a part. Um, city of St. Catharines is a little bit more challenging to deal with to go through the legalization process where they, the city and the particular inspector we were given, um, he, he, re, he came to do inspections like 15 plus times on our property when a normal conversion they come before they tell you what needs to get done they come maybe once during and then after Do you or your brother piss him off no he does this with everyone um like 
most of the north end of St. Catharines. I've heard like a ton of a ton of the other investors we work with. Uh, Got it. But you know that ex- you, you touched on something really important when you're going into sales yeah. and like you are, it's an exchange of energy. Yeah. Like when I first got into sales, first of all, when I first went into straight sales, I had a senior guy yell at me over the phone that I was going to fail and that I was not cut out for this because I was a technical guy. I was coming from the technical side of software yeah. and he yelled at me so much. I almost like I literally almost peed him. Like I almost pissed myself at my yeah. desk. I, and the reason I did, or almost did, I didn't. I, I said I did, but I actually <laughs> didn't. I didn't. The reason that I almost did is uh, because I thought I put my whole family's future at risk. Yeah. That I, I went from a technical position, yeah. gave it up, and went into straight sales where my base salary came down, but yeah. my my potential income went way up. Yeah. And then this guy on day one literally chews me a new ass uh, asshole yeah. over the phone. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just ruined my family's future. Now, it could be, it was the best thing that I ever did going yeah. to sales. But I thought it was all about features and benefits. Like when I first went into sales, like, you know how you're talking about investment property? Yeah, like yeah, you buy yeah. in this city and here's the population growth numbers and here's yeah. the potential and here's the income. Yeah. But you really get into the real barriers to making the decision are, yeah. is people's emotional state. And yeah. y- you are finding that out now, especially in what we do with investment property, everybody yeah. opens up their personal finance, financial situation yeah. to us. Yeah. So you'll find going forward that it's the energy that you put into the whole experience that's yeah. almost more valuable than the logic. Yeah. And you're, because you're very analytical, <laughs> you're just make decisions on lot, like the way you described university, like, you're, yeah. you know, why would I go to university if I'm going to give up this much income and it's going to yeah. cost me this much? Most people do not operate that way. Yeah. You yeah. know, so something for you going forward is just to understand is that you make people, but the way you make people feel yeah. is the most critical component in sales. And I'm not saying yeah. to use that to rip people off or to do the wrong thing. Yeah. But it is a critical piece in sales. Yeah. The the energy that you you know if you ever go to a store and people are complimenting you and making you feel good and helping you out through the process like yeah. you just it just makes it easier to buy because they're making you feel good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you work with investors, just keep that in mind. Yeah. You can crunch the numbers all day long, <laughs> but you're gonna yeah, have yeah. to kind of help them get through the emotional decision making yeah. part yeah. of all of this. I think my my dad's helped me the most, and. The funny thing is, I don't, he'll tell you it's intentional, but many times, this is something I realized, none of my clients have, I've never felt like this client is too hard to deal with, because my dad has always been the guy that's been even more difficult to deal with. Why is that, just crunching the numbers on you? No, no, he's super stubborn. He's like, it's his personality, right? He loves saying no. He, like, I'll tell him an amazing idea, and he'll tell no. And then, like, a few seconds later, it's like, you know, maybe we'll consider it. <laughs> but that first response, it's always got to be no. Or, like, it's too expensive. It's too much money. It's too whatever, right? Uh, that's how we grew up, right? Every, everything needs to be a bargain. Everything needs to be, like, getting the best deal of it. But, you know, he is realizing now that we own a few of our properties together, he is realizing the, the benefits that we've received from it. So he's also starting to become a little bit more of, okay, you know what, you guys, maybe you know what you're talking about. Okay, we'll, we'll go with, with your gut on this. Wow, what are the benefits? Some of the cash flow, income, some of the appreciation? Like what? Yeah, so mostly so far it's been the appreciation. Um, like uh, we've bought... Are all your properties cash flowing, paying for themselves? Um, 
breaking even the single family homes like we've refinanced and taken money out so it covers its yeah, cost it's, yeah so tough um, to answer okay yeah but the equity we've taken out we bought the fourplex with and that is cash flowing now and it has quite a bit more potential upside on it uh, once we get some tenant turnover uh, renovate the units we'll be really able to increase the where did you buy the fourplex in st Catharines as well okay got yeah. it and what do you rent those rooms out in the fourplex uh so our apartment sorry right now we when we acquired it, we bought it with existing tenants, uh, where the rents were between eight sixty five for a two bedroom and three bedroom, um, and the highest was at like eleven. We've since turned over one of the units and brought it up to thirteen hundred, um, but we think all of the units can get between twelve fifty to fourteen. Okay, so if yeah. you turn over those other units, you'll be able to go refinance that probably yeah. based on the new income. Yeah, definitely. And that's the goal. Refinance and also just will be plus like two two and a half thousand a month, right? Once we get those. Good for you guys. Yeah. And the joint ventures you guys do, uh, is it traditional stuff like 50-50 joint venture partnerships? Yeah, basically it's been 50-50, though our joint ventures have been funny. So um, after le- learning more about what other people do, they do 50-50s where um, the investor puts the down payment and then they split the proceeds and the profits. What we've done, especially with our family, it's been more of that, is where, for example, any new property we buy with the equity of the old, we don't like tell it tell them that they have to put the down payment. We're putting our share of the profits of those first two deals into the next one as well. So it, anyways, it's a family, right? We're trying to grow it as a family. So we're all trying to like pitch in and help. Um, but yeah, it's basically been been the standard 50-50. And then for the joint venture properties, do you keep separate bank accounts? Like are those managed separately from a financial point of view? Yeah, so each partnership has a different bank account so like with uh, with my family the three properties operate out of that one account me and my brother have two accounts one a corporate account we have a one property in a corporation and one a personal right and then with our jv partners we have a corp for that so we have the two properties in that joint venture in in that corp account have you ever sat down and, and taken your real estate that you own now or what per, whatever percentage of that portfolio you own and applied some generic appreciation rate to it and looked out to when you're like 40 years old and what that's going to be all worth? haven't really done exactly yeah, that. It might be an interesting exercise because it's something yeah. that I never realized in my tw- in my 20s. When Nick yeah. and I were buying properties, I never really thought the value of buying properties in your 20s is the time that you have. Yeah. So if you actually just take your portfolio at the age of 23, yeah. all your if you do nothing else, all yeah. your mortgages are going to be paid off by the time you're 48 at the latest. Yes. 25-year amortization. I mean, you might have some 30-year amortizations yeah. in there. If you just ex- take an appreciation rate that you think will represent the next 20, 25 years accurately, so take 2% or take 5% <laughs> or take 8%, like sure. whatever you want, sure. right? Or put it in a spreadsheet and take 2% for a few years, 5% for a few years, put in negative 2% for a few, like what a mix, mix and match yeah. it, whatever you want to sure. do, right? And see where you're at in your yeah. 40s. You're going to be shocked at what that portfolio is worth. Yeah. Well, even to give you an example, the first student rental we bought, we bought it for 240000 We thought this property is never going to appreciate because it's a condo with a $700 condo fee, but we'll make like $900 a month in cash flow. So, okay, we're just in it for the cash flow. In like five years, we'll get our down payment back and then we'll go buy another one. That was the one in Mississauga? That was the one in Mississauga. I just helped a client buy one last month in that same building, similar type of property. He's buying it for double of what we bought it for Jeez. at four hundred eighty-five thousand, and it's still gonna cash flow him about a thousand bucks a month because rents have since gone up. 
Um, and we've figured out a way to make these five bedrooms to rental, six bedrooms to rentals. Yeah, I know you have your, <laughs> your, your secret strategy of making them six bedrooms to rentals. Yeah. But uh, that is shocking. Yeah. Koken, that's shocking. Yeah. That, and, and really, listen, something we talk about with Rockstar members all the time is that the economy has two major inputs. Yeah. It has capital and labor. Yeah. Right. Productivity is what economists will always argue on, like how much productivity the economy can generate based on some innovation. Like yeah. if there's new factories or some new manufacturing method, we can be more productive with the yeah. economy because with the same amount of labor and capital, we can actually generate more economic output. And I'm sure some economists that are listening to this or someone taking economics is going to kind of laugh at how I'm making it too simple. But the two major inputs are labor and capital. Look at what we have in this area. Yeah. Like you guys came here in the year, what, 2008? 2008. You are the definition of what I am saying is happening into this area. Yeah. Their population is exploding in Ontario. Yeah. Like exploding. Yeah. We we just looked at some numbers. The GTA is forecasting to forecasted to go from and I'm talking just GTA, not the Golden Horseshoe. The Golden Horseshoe's population right now is just about 9 million people, okay? Okay. But GTA and, and they I don't know exactly where they draw the borders on this particular analysis, but the GTA was 6.7 million okay. in the year 2016. Okay. The forecast from this Tr- Toronto Housing Authority, some econo- economic development office out of Toronto, the city of Toronto, forecasted out by 2041. Which okay. sounds like a long time, especially someone to someone <laughs> like you. But I'm telling you, yeah. listen, if you're buying a property today, that's when your mortgages are paid off. Sure. The population base is going to not be 6.7. Yeah. It's going to be about 9.7. Okay, Three well. million more or a 43% increase in population. Yeah. What's that going to do to the demand of properties yeah. and rents in this area where yeah. we already have a situation where we are in need of housing? In shortage, yeah. So like the story that you just, I have a feeling that when you're in your 40s, you're going to be sharing the story of when you bought that Mississauga student (laughs) rental and you will literally be laughing. And the reason I feel like I know this for fact is, and of course, this is my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball. But the first student rental Nick and I bought was from an old guy in Hamilton. And the old guy in Hamilton, we bought this property, I'm going to say around the year 99 or 2000 or whatever it was around there. He sold it to us for 250,000 bucks. Wow. And uh, yeah, we we negotiated him hard. It was the first sure. price he it was the first <laughs> price he asked for. We just accepted. Nice. Nick and I after we did that, Nick and I argued for like three years on how we overpaid for that property. <laughs> but anyway, um, he after we bought the property, he's like, you know what? I guess I'm finally gonna go pay off the interest um, only yeah, yeah. mortgage I took out on that property in the mid 1970s for twenty thousand bucks. Wow. He bought it in the mid 1970s. Twenty five years later, it had gone up to over ten, 10 times. times. Wow. Is that not crazy? That's crazy. And who knows what's in our future? Yeah. Like, but if we keep the same monetary system yeah. and the same policies, yeah, this looks like it's going to duplicate again. Yeah. Right. So you're going to be sitting there. You're going to be that older guy. Not even old in your forties. Sure. You're going to be that older guy <laughs> laughing at like, like yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I bought those properties and I thought yeah, I got yeah. ripped off, or when we got, we thought we got ripped off on our St. Catherine's property. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> good for you guys, man. Who pushes harder? I'm just curious. You or your brother on the real estate stuff? Do you guys both push equally? Yeah, my definitely my brother's more gung ho about taking action. I'm I'm the type of guy that always wants to minimize my downside risk, where I don't want to like expose myself to something that we don't know or like we don't know what the risks are. My brother's the type that like give him 50% of the information required, he'll take action, right? And for me, it's like I need. Recently, it's come down less, but it used to be like 90. Now it's like 70% is what I say. Listen, with you <laughs> not going through university, you're going to ha- continually learning is going to have to be a big part of yeah. your life. Yeah. You know, reading books and listening to podcasts and just yeah. doing shit, right? Yeah. That's going to have to be a big part of your life going yeah. forward. You need that. 
Yeah. You know, you need to make mistakes. You need to have failures. Yeah. You need to mess up. So all of the stuff that you're going <laughs> through, no, dealing with content, this is all hugely valuable to you. It is. The mistakes is really where you learn in life. And yeah. you're just getting those out of the way in your 20s, which makes me think in your 30s, you're going to be a dangerous human being because you're going to have a lot of that <laughs> out of the way. It takes the rest of us a lot of times. You know, usually we're in our 30s and 40s and you're doing this stuff already. And if you were to, to talk to somebody who was thinking about university now, yeah. This is maybe a bit of an unfair question because you're very, very young still. Yeah. But what would you tell the person to consider? Do you have any context you could share or are well, we too in, early? To be honest, in my church community, there's like a youth group, right? So a lot of them, a lot of the kids in high school look up to me and they ask me questions and they ask me for advice. And for example, one of the kids in specific um, was asking me, should I go to university for architecture, right? And I told him, after talking to you, you know Andy Tran, right? Yeah. He, he does mm-hmm. like second suite designs. Yeah. I, I've asked him a bunch of questions about this, and I specifically found out from Andy Tran that many pe- kids who go to university for architecture, then end up working for architecture firms, and they are bored out of their minds working on like in one case he told me, this guy worked on a single staircase in a hospital for three years of his life as an architect, and that was it. That's like just fire code and safety and everything, and like when I talked to this this friend of mine i told him like look at what do you want to do right he loves design and like architecture but i told him do you want to work in an architecture firm or do you want to maybe do your own thing right and then i showed him like ruben's instagram <laughs> it's like okay look at all the stuff that he's doing find out a way to like help someone like him right or like look at what andy tran is doing with like drawings for second suites find a niche that you can become the expert in and i asked andy tran would he but doesn't Andy ch- still need that architectural background? So, it's funny. Andy Tran said you can go to Mohawk College. They're one of the best programs for doing design. It's a two- or three-year program versus four, and it's way cheaper, but they have one of the most practical, like, hands-on learning. And Andy actually hires, like, draw designers or drawers Does from he there, from that program? From, oh my like, gosh. the graduates. Okay. Got it. They told okay. him, like, just go there, learn that, do what he does, and that can be your start. And then find ways to grow versus like going to university, getting in debt and then working for a firm, doing something yeah. you don't like. And <laughs> you know, that's good. And, and I wish someone had sat I, in high school. I really wish one of the guidance counselors had sat me down and said, Hey Tom, look before, cause I, I just got told go to university. You're good at yeah. math. Go to engineering. Yeah. So I was supposed to go to U of T St. Michael's college, go into engineering. That was like the path I was supposed <laughs> to be on. Um, I actually went to Arendelle college, UTM, which is now right? UTM, where you have a student <laughs> rental. But, um, they, uh, uh, I really wish someone sat me down and said, Hey, look, if you go to university yeah. and then you come out the other end, yeah. here is the income level of all the jobs that you look like you're interested in. Yeah. Now let's map that against the life that you want to live. Yeah. So tell me, how do you want to live your life? How many vacation days do you want? And yeah. how, how, what kind of house do you want to live in? Or what part of the city do you want to live yeah. in? What kind of car do you want to drive? Do you, yeah. you know, is a Honda Civic? Are you good with a Honda Civic? Or is it, you're the kind of guy that's going to need a BMW? You know? <laughs> and let's add that all up. Now yeah. let's compare that lifestyle against the income level that your university education is going to produce for you. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a little bit of a dangerous analysis because it, you, you know, your income changes sure. right when you graduate out of university, your, yeah. your income tends to kind of go up. Sure. So I'm not trying to dismiss university at yeah. all. Like, I yeah. mean, I like that I went and you know, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Um, but I just wish someone had mapped it out for yeah. me like that because what happened to me is I came out of university yeah. thinking that I'd kind of made it. Yeah. And when I got my first job yeah. and then realized, oh my gosh, I can't, if I get married now and buy a house <laughs> and do this thing, I, I, I barely, after taxes, yeah. I barely have enough to pay for my monthly parking in downtown Toronto at the job I had down there. Yeah. 
You know, so yeah. I just wish we painted a broader context yeah. for people because then if you make the decision to go to university, which yeah. is not bad, I don't want anyone listening to this thinking university is bad, yeah. but at least you go in with a bigger context of what life is going yeah. to look like as opposed to just go in and yeah, it'll be all fine, you yeah. know? And I, and I guess I, we all have to take that upon ourselves for our own families. Do you, do you remember how much your university degree cost you? Yeah, mine was cheap. I think it was like 3000 a, a year. A year, And then right? books were maybe 800 if I remember properly, yeah. maybe 800 bucks, yeah. maybe 1000 So I, I feel like it was 3600 to 3800 a year. A year. Kind of all okay. in Yeah. back then. Like I feel this... I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but well, maybe it is a bad thing, but I feel many parents that encourage their kids to go to university have good memories of university and how it helped them in their life. But also the cost they paid was what they paid, right? When you ask someone who's 18, they have no context of like how much is $40,000 in terms of like how hard do you have to work to make that? And then after paying your living expenses, save it to, for example, pay for university. The kid has no context. The parent maybe still is thinking about what they paid and how much effort they put to pay it off or whatever the case may be. Um, so like in my case specifically, my dad told me, you should go to university. And I told him, are you going to pay for it? And he <laughs> said, I don't have money for it, but you can get OSAP. And then I told him like, that's money that I have to borrow and pay back, right? Like, and in my mind, I don't know why I had a context for it when I feel many kids my age don't. But 40000 in my mind, was a massive amount of money, right? And now maybe, you know, looking back, if you work a few years, you can save it and you can pay it off. But, but I also think 40000 you were lowballing because I know more. many people going yeah. to university right now that are, it's not 40000 I know many, I know some people are doing 40000 for one year. Yeah. Because yeah. if you take into account the tuition, yeah. books, yeah. residence, yeah. meals, yeah. and then buying just basic stuff that a student's need, like a new laptop, yeah. you add all that up. Yeah. Depending on the program that you're in, you might be thirty, forty thousand bucks for yeah. for one year. Yeah. And in my case specifically, it was also the opportunity cost, right? Like if I didn't go to if I did go to university and I didn't buy that one property that then doubled in value, like I've paid money and I've lost out on like potentially two hundred and forty thousand dollars of appreciation. But the, again, it's in my specific case that's what happened. But that also is a factor, right? Like if, if someone doesn't go to university but has a clear idea of what they want to try to achieve and actively takes steps towards doing that, learns as much as possible. Like I I feel many people think I don't like education, but I oh, love Oh, that's learning, definitely, people will right? hear that from this and I, and I know yeah. that's not the case with myself yeah. or with you. Yeah, like last year I paid a coach like close to $10,000. Just, he was an investor and I asked, I paid him that to coach me on investment properties in that area, teach me everything you know from the last 20 years of doing it in this market where I want to learn how to invest and help other people invest, right? So I'm willing to pay money to learn, but I am very careful about where I direct that so I focus on exactly what I want to learn and then I do it, right? Versus getting something that is taught broadly for the masses and then it's there's nothing specific that's going to help you like directly, right? That's that's how I feel about most university degrees. <laughs> Very cool, man. We're gonna have to bring you on in. Uh, uh, we'll have to kind of do a continual update of where <laughs> you are at and how this decision to see if we've ruined your life or yeah. if we haven't ruined your life. If if it ruins my life, then it's your fault. That's, yeah, I that's know. How it that's works. no pressure. Okay, cool. I'll take that. I'm gonna have to have some of the tequila sitting right here yeah. after this. But um, Kokin, how would someone reach you? What's the best way to reach you? Email address, website. Is there something you want to hand out? 
Um, if if you want to know more about me, I have a few YouTube videos up. Uh, Koken REI Coach is what I is my username. Um, if they want to reach me, maybe so I'll we'll link to that into the show notes of this podcast. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, you will find this uh, podcast with Koken's uh, podcast listed there. You can click on it, and in the show notes, we will have that YouTube URL so that you have it. Do you have something simpler to give out? Um. I guess um, my email. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so Koken at, Rock at Rockstar Brokers. Brokers. So yeah. it's Koken, K-O-U-K-O-N. K-U-N. K- See, oh, great. K- yeah. <laughs> I, I obviously need to go back to school. K-O-U-K-U-N yeah. at rockstarbrokerage.com. Yeah. Um, we will also, no, I don't, we can't put the email address in the show notes. You'll just get spam from the interwebs. Yeah. So it's not going to work. But um, in, in my YouTube videos, I have a link where you can sign up for my weekly Best Buy. So if you want to go in there and then I can reach you. What, what are you talking about in those YouTube videos? In uh, just real estate investing tips and just information about uh, about real estate investing. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Koken, thank you for doing this, man. <laughs> really appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Take care. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Krads again. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, Koken's a great guy. We'll obviously be keeping tabs on him as we now work together here at Rockstar. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that and took away something from it. If you want to get a copy of that report comparing the cost of university um, and comparing that to the income property, I can't speak now. I need to go back to school myself. Uh, You need to, um, the cost of university and comparing it to the cost and value of an income property, you can get that report at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. And again, one last time, I want to be very clear. We are not dismissing the value of education by any means. We are big believers in education. So I don't want anyone listening to this and thinking we are dismissing college or university we are not we are big believers in education and if you're not going to go down the path of going to college or university you then need to invest in your own education yourself it is critically important to your own future we believe it at least and that's what we've done and we can see the value of it from what we've done over the uh, over the years so thanks everyone for listening i think that's it for now until next time your life your terms